Chronicles 14, verse 1. I sat down to do a, a, a message in a Bible study. And uh, I, I had a goal in my mind that I was going to start here. And I was going to go way over here in St. Chronicles. But what happened with my message? I, I literally never left the first point. I never left the first point. So the good news is there's only one point. Ben, can you get me a rag of things on my desk? The good news is that uh, uh, there's only one point this morning. I turned it into three subpoints under it. But um, there's so much Bible. There's so much Bible. I, I know uh, some of us that study, um, it's like, and you know this, that when you're studying, sometimes it can seem so vast. And the Bible can seem so huge that you can think, man, where do I start? There, there, there's, there, where do I go? It's just, it's confusing and it's burdensome. It's, it's, it's daunting. And where, where to even preach it? Then that'll scare a lot of people off right there, the, daunt, the dauntingness of it. But if you just give in, you just say, Lord, just, I'm just going to start putting this message together, and Lord, please guide and direct it and lead it, just like we should do with our lives, and God will turn it into something. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 14, verse 1. Amen. It says, So Abijah slept with his fathers, that means he passed away, and they buried him in the city of David, and Asa his son reigned in his stead. In his days the land was quiet ten years. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God, for he took away the altars of the strange gods and, and the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law of the commandment and the commandments. And also he took away out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the images and the kingdom was quiet before him. And he built fenced cities in Judah for the land had rest and he had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Who gave him rest? God did. The Lord did. So Abijah uh, uh, only reigned as king of Judah for three years. He was not a good king. And his son, um, and, and Abijah did not follow God at all, but his son did. And God blessed Judah for it. That's important to know. That's the whole foundation of this uh, this message that isn't the message that I plan to preach at all, but it's a message that I believe that God gave us uh, for this morning. Amen. Brother Rob, would you open this message in a word of prayer, sir? Amen. Amen. You remember when Israel begged God for a king? They really demanded it, right? And there's so much application to that. 
I mean, we do the same thing. We want something so bad, we'll obsess over it. We, we basically demand it. And sometimes God might give it to us. And, and, it's, and it's all good until it's bad. Saul was a great king for a time. And there was a time when the, the people were thinking, oh, man, we made the right call. We knew better than God. And we do that in our own lives. We'll think, man, so good because I knew better. I knew better. I knew better. That's why I prayed for it. I know what's best. The Saul was good until he was bad. He, he was good until he became a vindictive murderer who was passionately obsessed with killing the man of God. And a consistent trait that we can see in the Old Testament was you have good kings and you have bad kings. You have good kings, uh, bad kings. Good kings, bad kings. Constantly, constantly. And, and, and God would bless the people under good kings and God would chastise them under bad kings. I mean, the same thing. Over and over. Constant thing. It's the same thing in our lives. I mean, I don't have to, everybody knows this is Bible 101, right? We, we obey God, we get blessed. We disobey God, we get chastised. It's so basic, yet we disobey God so very often. But we're not talking about a debatable notion or a hypothesized theory that, 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 that kings were successful and not successful. But secular history would absolutely back up the fact that there were kings that, that thrived and kings that just uh, bad things happened during their entire reign. And, and, and history would, secular history would back that up. But scripture points to the why. Points to the why. And you might say, well, yeah, but I know so-and-so. They don't live for the Lord or they're so backslidden, or they're not even saved. They've never asked Christ to come into their heart, and God's blessed them so much. Well, quit looking at their Facebook post for this year. <laughs> and they might have it good for five years, but it's eventually not going to turn out well. Amen. And, and, and Saul is a good example of that. <clears throat> um, but the question is this morning that I want to bring to you is why do we see rest in Judah? Well, the Bible tells us. I mean, look back at 2 Chronicles 14.1. So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. And it says this. It says, in his days the land was quiet ten years. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. The reason that Judah, and by the way, Judah is a place. Judah isn't a person. Judah is a, is a place here. Um, it's, 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 it's part of the... Part of Israel, remember uh, Israel was broken up, amen? Judah is part of God's people, part of Israel. And the reason that they experienced peace <coughs> was because uh, Judah, uh, because Asa obeyed God, and he was a leader, amen? Uh, uh, he was literally obedient to the word of God. And th the next few verses then go on to explain the godly things that he did. Number one, King Asa commanded his people to seek the Lord and to obey his laws. Number one. Number two, he took out all the high places and got rid of all the idols. Now, all the high places, when you read the high places and the high places, high places is a place where the heathen would worship their gods. And it wasn't always a high place, but it was, it was as high as they could get every time. As if, if they could, with the mindset, with the mindset that if we could get physically closer to God, right, it, it, would, it was like better somehow. Um, whenever I read the high places, I always think of this kind of a joke. I remember 
When I was a teenager, we were having Bible studies on Wednesday nights, and uh, the entire church, it was, it was, it was, the church was starting up in Chelsea. There's a few hundred people there now, huge church, doing very well. Uh, but it was a startup church, and I was able to be part of it, and what a blessing it was. And they didn't have a building yet, and they were meeting in, in a house just for Wednesday nights, and then we'd have a place that we would rent out on Sunday mornings. But on Wednesday night, we met in this house, and one of the men that was teaching said, Hey, boys, it'd be good if you got a, a lesson together and you could teach. And we're like, whoa, whoa, we're, you know, we use those spiritual words like, we're not called to teach. We're not called. God didn't miraculously call me to do nothing. You know, we used all the, those churchy terms to make ourselves feel better for not doing nothing. And, uh, and uh, he said this. He said, he said you know, if you, if you study and teach a lesson, you will grow in the Lord exponentially. And his son, which was my buddy, he could say it, not me. He goes, Dad... I just wanted to get close to the Lord, I just climb a ladder. You know, he was joking. But the, the, the mentality is true. The heathen will worship in the high places to get closer to the Lord, to their to their God somehow. Amen. <clears throat> but the culture today does not seek out a, a high place of worship. That's not the mentality. Nonetheless, and pay attention now, godless leaders will produce the same heart issue. It might look a little different, though. As in, you don't have to have a statue to place something as more important than God. We have this mindset that, oh, I'm not worshiping false idols because I don't bow to a statue. Even though there's some religions and denominations that, that take pride in their statues. God is against statues. Amen. But that's another message. We get the mindset that, well, I'm not worshiping, uh, you know, I call myself a Christian, so I'm not worshiping anything. The problem is, and this is the basic principle that, that, that we suppress so often in a backslidden state, or even if you're not a Christian at all, which is more often the case, is anything you put above God is now what you're worshiping. That is now your idol. We don't want to look at it that way because it's just like, it's just like anything in our woke society. We don't want to call anything sin. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a harsh morality judgment. We, you know, that's just, that just, that's just um, a discouragement. That, that's a disease that they have. They have a condition where they're, where they're prone to, yeah, it's called being born in sin. Amen. There's sin and there's not sin. We're all sinners. Amen. But by the grace of God, we have the, the hope of salvation. Amen. But we get the idea that you have to have an idol and you have to be bowing down to it. Amen. It would be far better, and bear with me for a moment, because I'll lose some of you for a minute. Like Brother John was worried this morning. <clears throat> It would be far better if we had a president that stood for truth and stood for the word of God and made it the law of the land to worship the one and true God, which is Jesus Christ, by the way, for anybody watching online and doesn't know who we stand for. Amen. Can you imagine having a president that abolished every false religion that wasn't the true word of God and tore down every religious statue 
It got rid of every high place of worship that wasn't in line with the Word of God. If he did it biblically, that'd be so wonderful. I mean, you want to talk about the land having rest. Uh, it, would, it would do so, so much good for so many people, starting with salvation of their souls, which is more important than anything. But what I'm saying is that would be so good until it's not. You say, well, what are you talking about? Until we get a president who is then elected that's anti-Christian. Or in a harsher yet honest term, we would say antichrist. But we, we, we want to call anybody antichrist, even though that's literally what it is when you are anti-Christian. Right. All of a sudden, we'd be in a world of such hurt. If we had godless leaders, we would see godless laws passed. If we had godless leaders, all of a sudden, we would, we would have laws passed where, where uh, boys and men could now go to the bathroom in the same bathroom with our little girls and our wives. Oh, wait, that's already here. If we had godless leaders, we would see uh, uh, <coughs> parades in the streets celebrating a direct rebellion to the perfect word of God. We had that with the pride parade. If we had godless leaders, we would see the applauded murder of hundreds of thousands of innocent children. Mutilated and torn limb by limb while they're yet in the womb of the mother. And I said hundreds of thousands. You know, I looked up some statistics that's actually wrong. Do you know how many babies are murdered in the womb in the United States alone per year? Millions and millions in millions. Uh, since Roe v. Wade, which was, I believe, 73, <clears throat> there has never been less, never been less in the lowest year. It's over 614,000 babies murdered legally in the United States of America. And at its highest point was in the mid-90s, was 1.6 million. We're seeing 3.3, 0.4, 0.5, 0. 0.6. It stayed up there for a while, and it came down. Millions. 30, 40 million babies in the last 50 years, those are just the ones that were legal. Those are just the ones that were in America. That's what would happen if we had godless leaders leading our country. Yet we have that today. <clears throat> God's not going to protect America for too much longer at the trajectory rate that we're going. And there's things happening out there. I mean, you talk about being at the edge of wars. We're at the edge of wars with with this bank business uh, collapsing, uh, I mean, we could be in a depression in a couple months. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I am not a doom and gloom guy. I am not the guy on the side of the road with the sign that says the end is near. But boy, the bottom could drop out at any given moment. When, I mean, you want to talk about the Great Depression. You want to talk about World War II. You want to talk about the Holocaust. Our country has gone through some horrible things. Who do we think we are that that might not happen again? It could easily happen. Then all of a sudden, the, the idols that we're putting is so important above God. All, all of a sudden, those things, the, the mountain of things in, 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 in people, in, 
in, in TV and money that we put is more important than God, all of a sudden, it's not so important at all when we find ourselves on our hands and our knees, you know, our stomach and our face begging God to do something because we need his presence. I'd hate to see our country go through something like that. But boy, in the ultimate scheme of things, that could be the greatest blessing to see a great awakening for God to do something great. What, Pastor, what are you getting at? It is important who is in charge. There is a great responsibility to leaders. It is very important. When you're leading, it's, you're called a leader because you're in an authority position. You are leading. People are looking to you for direction. That's taken very lightly nowadays. I think of the lady that I heard say in an interview. I mentioned this a couple Wednesday nights ago. She literally said, "Calling here, um, I don't vote because it doesn't like affect my current reality." It doesn't matter if your head is stuck in the sand. It affects your current reality. You just don't want to acknowledge it. But even more than that, you not voting or even having a say is a vote in itself. Not going to vote. Gag me with a spoon. Amen. Why did Judas see rest for 10 years? Because of the leadership. Number one, the leadership uh, worshiped God, told everybody, to worship God. Number two, demanded godliness. Number three, got rid of everything that was antichrist in the land. It is easy to make a blanket statement. America needs to be great again. We need to, or the, yeah, the Trump slogan, uh, make America great. It's easy to say that. It's easy to say America needs to get down on their knees and beg for forgiveness. It's easy to say things like, yeah, America uh, needs to do better. People need to do better. But here's the reality. America is made up of families and made up of individuals. Until we get things right, we can't be blaming nobody else. The problem isn't in the White House. We've heard this before. The problem is in the church house. It starts right here. I mentioned Saul. The children of Israel wanted Saul for a leader because that's what the other parts of the world were doing. They had a king for a leader, and it seemed so great for them, right? We did that on Facebook. Oh, look what they're doing. We've got to do what they're doing because it seems so great. Did you know that that was never God's intention? God did not want us to have a king. That, that, and he told Israel, that is not the best for you, but they, they whined and they begged, and he said, fine, I'll allow it. And then you go ahead and read it for yourselves. Then he told them, this is going to happen. Your, your children are going to regret it. There's going to be death. There's going to be this. And they said, we want it anyways because they thought that they knew better than God. Amen. We do the same thing. God tells us so much. But yet we say, well, I know so much better. I know so much better. It starts here. Amen. It starts here. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, you're probably already there. Ephesians 5, 15. Here's my one point, and then we've got three subpoints, and we'll be quick, I promise. Do you want rest in your home? That's the question. And you can start by, A, worshiping God. I didn't say call yourself a Christian. I didn't say come to church services. I said worshiping God. You say, how can I worship God? As my dad would say, oh, I'm glad you asked. With your time. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I saw a meme the other day. It was quite funny, but it's quite true. And it was a split screen. On one side, it was, it was, a, it was a man with, with, with a whole bunch of papers on the wall, like he was a detective with strings pointing to all the different papers and papers around everywhere. And he had pencil in his ear and pencil here in his glass, big, thick glasses. And he was stressed out. And he had books laid out on his arm. And on the heading says, me trying to f- figure out the will of God. It's like, what do I do? What do I do to make this happen? Then in the other half of the mean, it was that black guy. I don't know his name. You guys probably know him if you saw his face. But he, and he has memes where he's like, obviously, this is how it is. And it's this black fella just holding up the word of God. And, and the top of the meme said um, something effect of God's will for your life. Just, it's right here. Right. You, it, it's not that hard. Just study, just study the word of God, and he will literally direct you what he wants your will to be. But yet, but yet here we are in the other side of the meeting saying, I got to do this, and I got to do that. I got to follow that. What will they think if I do this? Well, maybe I should do I, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do this. As opposed to just getting in the word of God, spending time in prayer, saying, Lord, guide me. Lord, guide me. Lord, what do you want me to know here? Oh, you want to try to figure out the will of God before we even literally read? the word of God that he gave us. We act like this is some foreign book, like some manual, like we can't, can't be understood. Amen. You want rest in your home. Serve God with your time. Number two, serve God with your ability and talent. How many Christians have skills and talents that they do not use for the, for the, the kingdom of Christ? Amen. I, I can just sit here and name people. They got talents that they just don't use them over and over again. You remember that parable in Matthew 25? Let's turn there. Matthew 25, 14. Parable that Jesus gave. For the kingdom of heaven is as a, uh, is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And to them he gave five talents. Uh, I'm sorry, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway he took, straightway took his journey. And if you were to go on to read, uh, uh, you would see that the servant with five talents, he doubled his talents. And, he, and when the good man came back, he presented him with ten talents. Look what I did with what you gave me. Oh, and he was blessed for it. And the servant that was given two talents, he doubled that. While the good man, the Lord of the house was gone and, and he had four talents to show, look, I doubled it for you. I used what you gave me and I gave fruit of that. And to the, to the servant that had one talent, what did he do with it? He went and, is that the parable we went and hid it in the earth, I think? And he did nothing with it. He sat on his hands, did nothing Oh, he had all kinds of excuses if you were to read the parable. All kinds of excuses. Oh, I knew, the Lord of the heart, I knew that you were a, a God that's busy and you didn't really need that and I was protecting it for you. What kind of excuses do we give when God has literally given each and every one of us talents and abilities and when we get to the judgment day, what are we going to say? Well, Lord, I know I was actually kind of busy. You don't know how busy my life was. We're going to sound really ridiculous when we're telling the Lord 
Yeah, I didn't even go to church. I didn't even, uh, uh, you gave me the ability to walk and I didn't even trim a tree. You gave me the ability to paint, I didn't even paint. You gave me the ability to sing. You gave me the ability to play piano. You gave me the ability to be a witness to folks. And I uh, did nothing because, well, you know, I'm busy. I hid it in the earth. Well, what was the result of that? By the way, this wasn't a parable from a Baptist preacher. It's a parable from Jesus Christ himself. He wants us to learn something from these principles that he's given us. By the way, pretty much everything Christ gave us was in parables. Did you know that? I'm so thankful for that, that he's on a down-to-earth level where he can meet us. Amen. <coughs> Amen. Jump down to Matthew 25, 26. His Lord answered and said to him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sow not and gather where, uh, and gather where I have not strawed. Well, that's harsh. We're just used to living in an America where we're so catered to. Where when somebody calls you a slothful servant, you're going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't go to church there anymore because he called it like it was. This is Jesus Christ saying you are a wicked and slothful servant if you're not giving your talents and abilities to the Lord. This kind of preaching will get me canceled, amen. Do you want rest in your home? Worship God. You want rest in your home? Demand godliness. Demand godliness for yourself. Man, you got to spend time with the Lord. I, well, I enjoyed parts of while my family was away. I had some good study time. Amen. We want you. You want you want to find rest in your home. Worship God. Demand godliness, but demand godliness for yourself. What kind of preacher or pastor would I be if I say, "Man, search the scriptures," and I leave it closed the entire week? My family's gone, or I don't open it every day to see what God wants me to know for that day. I spend zero time in prayer and I preach. But what kind of a but here's the thing, and, 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 I, and I've seen this as not being a pastor all my life until recently. But people, people make it sound like, oh, yeah, those are, that's what the pastor should do. Yep, the pastor needs to be reading and praying every day. The pastor needs to be a witness. The pastor needs to go visit the sick and the hospital. Visit. The pastor, guys, that's just what Christians should do. Right. It really is. But yet we've, oh, I'm... Well, that's not, I'm not called, I'm not spiritually called to be a pastor. Well, it may, that may not be so, but we are called to be Christians. And boy, God tells us to do a whole lot of things that we ought to be doing that we are not. Number one, demand godliness uh, for yourself, but also demand godliness for your children. Fathers, mothers, demand godliness. It is not a choice for my children to go to church. Never has been a choice and never will be. When Ben's 40 or 50 years old and, and he's got... COVID and the flu, he's going to be like, Dad, I don't think I can make it. There will not be a choice. Actually, stay home if you're not feeling good. Amen. But I hope that he has the fear of his daddy that he'd be like, man, I got to go to church. Amen. Not this daddy, but that daddy. Amen. Demand godliness for yourself. Demand godliness for your, for your children. Don't let a day go by where you don't spend time in the word with them. Or when they're old enough, make sure that they're spending time in the word. 
it's easy to put Shrek in front of them and walk away. And fathers, for the sake of your family, don't neglect the house of God. Because every time you do, your children see it. Every time you do, your wife sees it. Every time you do, your friends see it. Children aren't dumb. They know exactly what's going on. We need to demand godliness. It was Joshua that said, man, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He demanded godliness, and he made a public declaration. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that's what we as fathers ought to be doing, saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. And, and, and you know what I believe happened when he said that and lived it? Bible, I don't think, says this. But I believe, Dan Gunther, that his children and his wife looked up to Joshua and said, yes, he's a leader and I'm going to get behind him. And that's what would happen for us. If we'd step up and say, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Hell or high water, we're going to serve God. It doesn't matter if we had a rough week because, man, that happens to even the pastor's family. Oh, I promise you. And I promise you it happens even more often because I'm dealing with lots of lives. Amen. But boy, your family will so respect you. Amen. Demanding godliness is hard sometimes. The longer that you let it fester, the harder it is. Amen. I've heard some mothers say that they can't spank their children because uh, they're, dis- they're disobedient so often that if they were to spank them, their, their, their rear ends would be so black and blue. Well, amen. Let them get black and blue. Amen. Turn to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. We'll look at a few scriptures. We'll move quickly. Proverbs 13, 24. It says, He that spareth the rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. You know why the, the, the woke crowd today doesn't understand that? Because there's so many fathers and mothers that have spanked children wrong. With the wrong attitude. And what is that? Abuse. There's a right way to spank your children. Amen. Amen. Jump to Proverbs 22.15. Proverbs 22.15, you're right there. It says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Jump to uh, 23.13. It says, withhold not correction from the child. If thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. And by the way, when you start, start when they're young, and here's the key, and you're consistent. You'll have children that are a blessing. Look at Proverbs twenty two sixteen real quick. You're not far. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We have fathers and mothers that are not training their children in anything nowadays. I thank God for parents that bring their children to church. I really do. I think, I'm thankful that my parents just brought me to church it wasn't even an option it wasn't even an option but can I tell you this morning that's not enough it's not the the church's job to teach and raise your children to godliness it's not it's the parents job we get them for a week I mean uh, an hour out of the week maybe two if you come on Sundays and, and enjoy the Ben's class for the kids out there amen we have adult class in here on Wednesdays for if you, if you don't know amen But do you want rest in the land? It's time that we start worshiping God in our country 
and then our homes. It's a simple question, and I'm, we'll start to close here, but do you want rest in your country? Do you want rest in your home? I think that it's time that we demand godliness personally into those who we are responsible for. I think it's time that we put away whatever it is that is keeping us from serving Christ. And in our mind's eye right now, there's something in every one of our minds thinking, yeah, if this wasn't in my life, I'd be serving God with more fervency. There's something in my life or someone in my life that's keeping me from serving Christ. Maybe that person is yourself. For Judah, for the land of Judah, it was idols and worshiping other false gods. And, and, and why, did, why did Israel constantly do that in Judah? God's people constantly worship false idols. Because that's what the world was doing. They were, they, they were drawn to whatever the world was doing. And that's the similarity that we see. These false idols are all kinds of different things, but we're drawn to what the world's doing as if they have something better. We see what they have on social media, and we think, man, I want to have that. Maybe for you it's being in a place of discontentment with your service to Christ. Maybe you're not the Christian you used to be. You didn't plan to backslide, but it happened slowly. We, we read that verse earlier, Ephesians 5.16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Gary Duty wrote a wonderful song about that that I love. You know, we all mess up. But we have this much time to serve the Lord. We ought to be redeeming it. There's going to be less people here tonight that are not so concerned with redeeming the time. If I were to make a graph, turn to James 125, and we'll close with that verse in just one or two minutes. If I were to make a graph, and I make charts once a week at work, all kinds of charts, and I've gotten pretty good at it. And if I were to make a chart that showed when Israel was doing great and successful, and then when they were not doing good at all, Good and successful, not doing good at all. And I laid that right on top of a chart that showed when Israel was serving God, when Israel was serving other gods, serving God, serving other gods. It would be identical to their success and their failures, identical. Guys, it's not hard. The will of God for your life is not some magical, deep theological, theological thing that we got to make so no 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 we just got to serve God study his word and you know what God's going to meet you right where you are you say well I can't do what so-and-so's doing God didn't ask you to do what so-and-so's doing but all your job today is to be closer to God today than you were yesterday and tomorrow to be closer to God tomorrow than you were today we're not talking about some leaps and bounds God wants to grow you amen I said earlier how I love the freedom that we have in this country to worship and to live how we see fit. But the civil liberties that we have, they absolutely pale in comparison to the liberty that we have in Christ. Amen. I mean, not even close. It is so good to be a born-again believer. Amen.
Galatians 5 wants to stand fast in liberty with, wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Amen. There's, there is a liberty in being a born-again believer that, that you can... It's described as a peace that passes all understanding. Because no matter what happens in your life, we know that as a believer, God let that happen for a reason. At least in my mind, Job is the epitome of that. God allowed a lot of wickedness and evil to happen in his life. And I know in our lives, it, and I mean, I, mean, I mean, there are things happening in people's lives, even in the church, that are just, just, just hard. But we can take comfort knowing that as believers, man, God's allowing that. And that's, there's evil and wicked things happening, but God's allowing it. I mean, you look at the 12 disciples, they're basically all murdered and tortured to death. That's wicked and that's evil, but God allowed that for his glory. Amen. If we get the, rid of the American mindset, the God, this is the Joel Osteen mindset, God wants us to be blessed all the time. Blessings, blessings, blessing. Golden spoon, golden spoon, silver spoon. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. We have this mindset like we got to be so, man, God's just going to bless us if we show up to church. Not at all. Our lives might be hard, but if we're, if we're born-again believers, if we ask the Christ to come into our hearts, amen, we might have some hard times ahead, but we can find comfort in knowing that, man, he's going to guide us through it. Right. And we can go through some really hard times and with the biggest smile on our face. Yeah. It's not always easy. Yeah. But, boy, we can sure find comfort. Yeah. If you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you will never have that comfort. You'll never have the peace that passes all understanding. You'll never have the mountain of benefits that we're able to partake of. I'm not just talking about eternal life and all the benefits of, of that. But man, to, to not have to go to hell, to, li to live a life knowing that, that God has ordained everything and God's blessing everything I'm doing as long as I live for him. And even when he chastises me, he's doing it for my own good. That's wonderful. I'm so glad that God's plan of salvation has never changed. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for the sins of all mankind so that we could all experience salvation. Literally, we just have to accept it or deny it. And if we're like that lady that was sticking her head in the sand and saying, well, it doesn't affect my current reality, well, it's still a decision that you're making by ignoring it. And by ignoring it, you're denying Christ. It's a decision that every person has to make. James 1.25, we'll close with this verse. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty... And here's the key. And continueth therein. That's called being faithful, folks. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. I don't know about you, but, but I want God's blessings on my life. I don't know about you, but I need God's blessings on my life. I desire God's blessings on my life. I desire, I need God's blessings in my country. I want God's blessings on my family. It's just right here. It's not some complicated thing. We have children that have read their Bible in a year. 10 or 15 minutes a day, you can read the entire Bible in one year. It's not hard. Let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for allowing.